Turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 84. You perhaps all long for something in some way or fashion. Um, many of us have longed for just physical fitness. And I don't know what uh, overcame my, my mother-in-law this week, but we were sitting in our respective chairs in the den, and she uh, said, hey, you want me to read how what you have to do to be fit over 60? So she was on her iPad, and I, I thought, were you looking that up? I mean, but anyway, I said, sure, go ahead. Tell me what you need to do to be fit over 60. She said, well, first of all, she's reading. First of all, you've got to find a very... Uh, level, comfortable place that has a lot of room, plenty of room on both sides. And then you get a, or, or get two, um, five-pound potato, potato bags. And you put one in each hand, and you hold it out. And the goal is to hold it out there for a minute. And after you've held it out there for a minute, and you feel confident about that, then you get two ten-pound potato bags. And you hold them out there. And after a few weeks, you'll find that you can move up to 50-pound potato bags. And after you really get good, you hold out 100-pound potato bags. And that's the level I'm at now. And, and when you get really confident at that level, you put a potato in each bag. <clears throat> well... <clears throat> So I'm, I'm, I'm working on uh, the potato and being fit. We all long for something. Psalm 84 is about longing, not for physical fitness, but longing for the presence of God in the house of God. Let me read you some uh, selected verses, 1 and 2. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. Verse 4, How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And then verse 10, A day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. So you, you get the theme. So just to be in God's house, it's better than 10,000 days, any other uh, way you want to look at it. He said, we want to yearn for the courts. He says, my, um, how lovely it is to be in God's house, in his place, and long for him in the courts of the Lord. Uh, do, are we there? Do we long for the courts of the Lord? Do we long for the house of God, realizing that in longing for that, we're longing for the presence of God? I wanted to to read you some passages of Scripture that connect God's presence with God's house or houses um, so that you, you see what the psalmist is talking about. He's talking about more than do you, do you want to go to church, yes. But by church he means do you want to go to a place where God has specifically promised, implied that he would be there with us. Let me read you some passages you can follow. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8. 
And I start here because this is the first temple that was built for God. 1 Kings chapter 8. Beginning at verse 27. It says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less... This house which I have built. Well, that in itself is a pretty significant statement David is making. He says, we, 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 we've built, or Solomon's making, we, we built this house for God at God's direction, and yet there's absolutely no way a house built on earth could contain God. Because God's, as we've just sung, is, is so much greater, so much awesome, or so much mightier um, you can't put God in a box. Heaven and the highest heaven could not contain him. Yet, verse 28, miss, don't miss the yet. Yet, have I regard, yet have, excuse me, yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and to the prayer which your servant prays before you today, that your eyes may be opened towards this house night and day, towards the place of which you have said, my name shall be there, to listen to the prayer uh, which your servant shall pray towards this place. Listen to the supplication of your servant and your people when they pray towards this place. Here in heaven, your dwelling place, hear and forgive. So again, you, you have him ending that saying, heaven is your dwelling place, but we want you to hear and look and listen and be in this place, which is a house on earth. And the implication, the indication is God says, yes, that's exactly right. That's what I want to do. I want you to think about me in this place. I want you to pray to me in this place. I will listen specifically to you as you pray either in this place or towards this place. Because the place should conjure up the, the sense of my connectedness to it. It's a place specifically designed for worship. Uh, look at Psalm chapter 5, verse 7. <coughs> As for me, by your abundant loving kindness... I will enter your house at your holy temple. I will bow in reverence for you. Since the first temple, there's been this progression that God has a house, and we come to this house to bow, to revere, to fear, to trust God. Look at Psalm 26, verse 8. Psalm 26, verse 8. O oh Lord, I'd love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. I just, I just love being in God's house because there's a specialness there that God put, puts there. It's his glory. It's his presence. Look at chapter 65 of Psalms, verse 4, Psalm 65. Verse 4, and I've wondered... If God allows us to build a sanctuary uh, for him here 
on this property in this place. Maybe this would be a good verse to put on the entrance to that. Psalm 65, verse 4. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Just an amazing verse to think about. You know, to enter into a court, to a, to a facility, to a building that's specifically di- designed for God's worship, just entering in will satisfy you. It will be a tool of God to give us goodness because we will be in this place that's His holy temple. Look at chapter 69, verse 9. <coughs> and this is a verse quoted of Jesus in John two seventeen. I won't read it both places. You'll remember the John passage. Uh, Psalm 69, verse 9. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Um, the psalmist realized when Jesus goes, or Jesus, the disciple, excuse me, realized when Jesus goes into the temple and cleanses the temple, they remember back to Psalm 69. He says, well, this is a fulfillment. Jesus has a zeal for God's house. It consumes him. And even at 12 years old, he tells his parents, didn't you realize I needed to be in my father's house? There's a sense in which God has has always placed special significance to a place that his people gather for worship. And we know God has many, multiple houses now. He hasn't designed one particular kind. There's, uh, from the New Testament days on, there were house churches where people said, we will gather in this house to worship God. And they continued to build, even after the temple was destroyed, synagogues were destroyed, they continued to build onto houses and make them bigger and bigger for churches, a place of worship. You have that all the way through the scripture. And so when we come to Psalm 84 this morning, come with that context that when he's talking about longing for the courts of the Lord or being in a house of God, he's talking about something that's common for the people of God. We must gather together somewhere and that place God says, I want to be there. I want to be in your praises. I want to be in the word that's proclaimed to you. I want to listen to the prayers that are offered in that place. That place is special and holy because I am there. That's what the psalmist is crying for. He says, do we long for the courts of the Lord? It's that longing for God. If we could be anywhere, where would we be? You know, obviously this morning you've chosen to be here. But you can ask that question. If you could be anywhere you could possibly dream of next Sunday, where would it be? Go do a survey. What kind of answers are you going to get? I mean, you'll get answers all across the board. Well, next Sunday, boy, I'd, I'd love to be in Hawaii on the beaches. Or I would love to, to be in a mountain retreat. Or I'd love to just have some time to play golf. Or I'd love to go fish. I'd love to be hunting. I'd love just to be at home and rest. We have all kinds of longings by many people. But over and over again, you should be hearing the people of God say, I want to be in the house of my God. 
I want to be dwelling. I, just as we sang, I want to be where he is. And he promises to be with his people when they gather together. My soul yearns and longs for the courts of the Lord. So that, that's our challenge. As we read Psalm 84, the challenge is this. Examine your longing for God. How, how is it, strong is it? Is it what God wants it to be? How is your longing for the courts of the Lord? What would keep you from, from reaching that place week after week? How does it need to be strengthened? What can we learn here? Three things I see in this psalm that as we long for the courts of the Lord, we're satisfied, we're strengthened, and we're secure. And those three are very significant to our being. Satisfaction, strength, and security. First of all, he begins by talking about by longing for the courts of the Lord, he is satisfied. The first four verses. Let me read them. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul long, even yearn, for the courts of the Lord. And my heart and my flesh, they sing for joy to the living God. So there's a sense of singing for joy, um, satisfaction that's going to come. Uh, and then he gives a, a, an illustration. Think about um, his longing is to be in God's dwelling place, and then he can't keep quiet. He says, I, I, I just got to sing. And it's a song of joy to the living God. Uh, so good to be in the house of God. Do you ever have this feeling you've been on a trip, and as soon as you walk through your, the doorway of your house, you say, ah, oh, it feels so good to be home. I mean, we all have that feeling from time to time. It's just so good to sleep in my own bed, to sit in my own chair, to be in my own house. And that's the description the psalmist is giving here. It's so good. When I come into church, when I come into the house of the Lord, it's so good. Finally, I can rest. Finally, I can have a sense of belonging. Finally, I am satisfied. I, I just want to sing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a, 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 a passive participant here. I'm, I'm active when I get in this house because this house does something to me and for me. And that's what the psalmist is talking about. And because, of, you know, obviously what, what it does, it brings me, it connects me to God. It's his dwelling place, the Lord of hosts. And being in his house, where he's at, that always does something to make me feel good. Uh, and I want to sing. It reminded me, <coughs> excuse me, uh, only once in my life have I uh, not been in God's house uh, on a consecutive basis. And that was the time I was, I was in the hospital three weeks and another three weeks of recovery. So... There's a six-week period there. I could not go, physically just could not go. I was raised in the church, always at church, so th this period was very strange for me. And even today, when we, we go on vacation, all my kids will tell you, we always go to church. We go to a house of the Lord wherever we are, uh, whatever country, whatever community, and it's we want to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we want to be where God dwells. So very rare. I had gone six weeks, consecutive weeks, had not been able to go to church. 
On the seventh week when I walked in, and I was going that time to a very small church, 40 people tops were there. Very small community church. The singing was horrific. You know, never knew if anybody was going to be there to play a piano or anything. So it wasn't because the place was attractive. It wasn't because the music was attractive. The preaching was always good and sound. It wasn't anything special about 40 people, most of them being much older than me at the time. You know, it's just, but when I entered and the pastor gave a call to worship and said, let's stand and sing the first song, as I stood up without even realizing it, tears began to flow. Like I said, it had nothing to do with how good or sweet or even the words of the song. It's just I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. And, and, and all of my flesh began to say, this is good. Boy, I have missed this. Lord, thank you for bringing me into the house of God. And I think that's the exact same experience the psalmist is describing here. That I can't not sing at this point. I must speak. I must proclaim God. He's my God. I'm now in his house and it is so good. I need that sense of satisfaction and belonging. And I want you to have it. I want those in my family to experience that week after week. He, he gives this illustration in verse 3. He says, The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my God, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. The illustration is, is, is a sanctuary, a house for him. Apparently this was common. Where they had some sort of rafters, maybe like these uh, that we've got. But somehow the sides or the doors weren't closed. And a swallow, a bird could fly in and out. And as he's in the house of God this particular Lord's day, he looks up and you know, over the one of the rafter, he notices the bird nest. And he notices the bird fly in and out. And he maybe even this is the time of year where the bird has had its young, and they're all chirping. And he says, that is so cool. This bird gets to dwell, live here all the time. And not only does this bird get to live here, this bird gets to raise its family here. In the house of the Lord. How blessed is that? He said, I ought to be a bird. So I could be here all the time. Not just some of the time. And how special it would be if I could raise my kids up. And they would love and long for the courts of the Lord. How blessed, verse 4, those who get to dwell, get to live in the house. Because they're always praising you. They get the the satisfaction, the benefits of your presence. Well, maybe you weren't, you weren't raised like me. So I, I, as I was praying for you this week, I'm saying, you know, many of you did, did not have my experience growing up. What if you're in the house now and you've not been raised and trained in it and you just immediately realize, I hear what you're saying, but I don't experience it. I I haven't grown into that 
experience of really being satisfied in the presence of God. How do I get there? And so, as I prayed for you and as I, I thought about that question, Lord, it's not in this psalm, how do they get there? How, how do those who haven't been raised in the house of God, how do they get this longing that the psalmist is talking about? And the passage the Holy Spirit sent me to is Luke chapter 7. Let me read it for you. Luke chapter 7, verse 40. And you get, you get a passage here of, from Christ, but also, importantly, a principle on how to develop greater love and passion for God. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 40. Then the, then, and Jesus answered him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And he replied, well, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you've judged correctly. Turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, yet she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but since the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What's the principle? The principle is this. Much forgiveness, much love. If you want to develop your love for the Lord, you've got to gain a sense of being much forgiven by God. And this woman Jesus is referring to, I mean, people were probably talking about her. She wasn't the best moral woman, but she realized she was a sinner, and she comes to Jesus to be near him, and she seeks forgiveness. And Jesus forgives her and says, it's pretty obvious she loves me, doesn't she? And the reason she loves me is because she realizes I'm forgiving her of all her sins. And because I am forgiving her of her sins, she doesn't cease to kiss me, my feet, to put perfume on my feet, to wipe my dirty feet. So evaluate where we are in our love for the Lord. When's the last time you kissed the Lord? When did you give him kisses? When did you wipe his feet? When did you anoint him with perfume? You see, that would be appropriate, and that's what he's saying to Simon Peter. Simon Peter, this woman is doing appropriate stuff because she understands she is forgiven. And if we want to, to love God more, we've got to gain a sense of our sinfulness. That, God, I do not deserve to be in the house. I don't deserve to be in your presence. If I could just touch your feet, that would be a privilege. 
I would kiss them. I would anoint them. I would wipe them clean. Because what a blessing to be near the Holy of Holies. Forgive me of my sin. But I think the way I grow in my love for God and you grow in your love for God is, is regularly reading the law of God and asking the Spirit of God to convict us of sin. God, as I read your word, what is my sin? And when you, when you begin to unearth it, discover it, you see, oh, I need forgiveness. And then you're so grateful for a God who says, enter, my child. I want to forgive you. I want to cleanse you. I want to be where you are. I want to listen to your prayers. And your love grows. And when you have that experience week after week, you say, I want more of that. I want that again next week, and the next week, and the next week. So yes, wherever you are, however you've been raised, you can start right now developing this longing for the courts of the Lord. The way you do that is you've got to come in saying, I want to meet with Jesus. I want to kiss his feet. I I want to be cleansed of my sin. And you'll find week after week after week, he forgives and is gracious to sinners. And that experience will so satisfy, you'll want it again and again and again. And I think that was the experience of the psalmist and the one Jesus describes for us to have. Well, back in Psalm 84, it goes on. Not only does the presence of God satisfy us, but the presence of God strengthens us. Verses 5 through 7. How blessed is the man whose strength. You see how it's moving from this joy and satisfaction to strength. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Uh, We are strengthened in the presence of God. And he describes this strengthening as one whose heart is like a highway to Zion. Now, what's the difference between a highway and a path? He didn't say... Our hearts were a path to heaven or a path to the place of God, but our hearts are a highway. Highway is well-traveled, is it not? A path, not not so frequently. He says this this blessing goes to those uh, with strength, and the strength comes through a heart that has a highway to Zion. So ask yourself, how how well-traveled is your path to God? Even if that path is just prayer, how frequently are you in prayer? Have you gained this lifestyle of praying without ceasing, always talking to God so it's a well-traveled highway through your heart to God? That person is strengthened through that relationship that's constantly going on. If you just infrequently go to Christ, The strength is not so much. But how blessed is the man whose strength is in you. He realizes I've got to hold on. God's got to hold me. I've got to have this connection. And that connection is described like a highway. Our hearts are always being poured out to God. God is is coming back to us through that. Verse 6, passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessing. And they go from strength to strength. 
Every one of them appears before God in Zion. So you, you still have this, this connection, you to God, God to you. But he describes this contrast in verse 6, passing through the valley of Baca. Uh, Baca is a Hebrew word that literally means weeping. Some people describe it as the valley of tears. The valley of Baca is a valley of tears. So he's basically say, using that old um, uh, illustration. If life gives you lemons, what do you do? You make lemonade. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. He's saying, if life gives you tears, if life gives you weeping, if you're passing through this place of weeping, Take that weeping and turn it into streams of living water. Make it streams of blessing. And how do you make it streams of blessing? It's streams of blessing through this, this communion with God. It says We go from strength to strength. Even though uh, we go through a place of darkness and weeping, uh, we, we shed real tears, but it, it just strengthens us because we take them to the Lord and we, we're strong and weak and then we, we're strong again. And we go from strength to strength is what he's describing even through the tough times that are ours in life through whatever weeping that may come our way. Um, look at Isaiah 40. You'll remember this. Isaiah 40, 29 And following. <coughs> and catch the obvious connection, just God's presence. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet... Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Strength to strength. Because even though you will stumble and sometimes stumble badly, even though you will fall, even though you will always feel your best, those who wait on the Lord, those who have a highway to Zion through their communion and prayer and praise they're going to be strengthened don't forget the context now psalm 84 what's the context longing for church longing for the courts of the lord so i don't want you to just make this an internal personal relationship with jesus thing because the context is not that the context is i want to be in the courts of the Lord, with the people of God, and as I am there, there's this highway between God and His courts, His house, His people, of which I am one, and from there I gain strength. I'm strengthened. I go from strength to strength. I'm there waiting on the Lord in that place. So as you think about that, think about all that God has packed into that experience and the church for our strengthening. Um, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I referred to this uh, some last week and just the blessings of, of how God uses trials sometimes just so that we can minister to others in trial. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. So Paul is writing to the church. He says, I'm writing specifically to the church in Corinth. But I know you are united to saints everywhere. Grace to you, verse 2, and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Interesting statement. He says, God comforts us by first comforting others who are then able to comfort us. So God's comforting us through the church. And through the church, we go from strength to strength. It's interesting about the Corinthians, and Lord willing, I'd love to preach through both First and Second Corinthians one day, the Corinthians are described as a horrendous church, lots of problems, but at the same time, they're also described as having all the gifts. You've got all the gifts a church needs. And here they're described, he says, because you've got all the gifts a church needs, no matter what the affliction is, you've got all the trials, all the sufferings to comfort anybody regardless of their affliction. You can handle every need. And you can strengthen people. As you come to church, you come not just to meet God, but you come to meet God's people because through His people that He's gifted and ministered to, you're going to be strengthened. So I don't want to just see God in this place. I want to see you in this place. And I want to see how God is using you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me just say that real quick. 1 Corinthians 12 um, Verse 7, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every one of you has been given the Spirit to give me something, to give the person beside you something. You've been given the Spirit for the common good of those who are in the house of God. You've been given a ministry. You've been given the responsibility to strengthen and encourage saints. That's why Hebrews 20, uh, chapter 12, 24 and 25, that you, you've got that one down. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is habit of some, but come together every Lord's day to assemble so that we can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We are here to stimulate one another, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. Hebrews talks about there are people who come through our doors every week who have weak knees and feeble hands and they need strength. And you've been given a gift to strengthen them. The psalmist gets that. I long for the courts of the Lord because not only am I satisfied, but I'm strengthened. And even when I go through valleys of deep darkness with much weeping, I'm still taken from strength to strength. Because there's a multitude of God's people there to strengthen, to stimulate, to encourage, to hug, to hold, to lead, to guide, to direct, all of that. What a blessing it is to be comforted through the people of God where God is present. 
Well, the psalmist goes on, Psalm uh, 84, beginning at verse 8, you begin to see the security that's ours as we are in God's place. He says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. That uh, confused me for a while. For God to look at my shield, I, I was trying to figure out what in the world is that? Is it our shield or his shield? I think he's referring to us. He says, give ear to me, look at me, look at me, O God, and look upon the face. So something about my face is a shield because he's going to get to a contrast here in a, in a minute. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So it's like he's, he's at the door and he's looking through and he's saying, God, look, look, look through this and look at me. I, I just need that connection, that context, and, and, and what's going to happen. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. So here's, look at my shield, and then he says, I want to look at God's shield. And he describes God as a sun. To my knowledge, this is the only place in the Bible where God is described this way. The Lord is a sun. Some of the old Puritans refer to this. If he's a sun, he's, he, as other scriptures refers, he's, he's then inapproachable light. He's, he's so, so bright, so awesome in his greatness. But that's how he's described as a sun and as a shield. So the sun's a good sense that he can destroy, he can take care of, he can shield. The Lord gives grace and glory, and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk up uprightly. <coughs> well, uh, think about, first of all, praying as a psalmist. Lord, look at me. And as you pray that prayer, Lord, look at me. Be overwhelmed with what God sees. Because we are told in the New Testament what God sees is the righteousness of Christ. He sees the finished work of Christ. For those of us who are in Christ, when God looks at us, He doesn't look to condemn us, but He looks and sees Jesus has already been condemned in our place. So he sees us as his adopted child. He sees us in clothed in righteousness, united to his son through the covenant of baptism and through uh, the covenant that Christ created between him and the Father. What a beautiful picture. And he describes how wonderful it is to be near God now. I can be, I have access to the throne of grace because of Christ, um, and I can't wait to see, I, just to look through a crack, look through a door, and to see him. Oh, that's wonderful. Like a sun in his brightness, and his ability to take care of and to shield. Remind him of an old, old hymn, uh, oh, just to look on his face, that will be glory, glory for me. Well, that's kind of how the psalmist is describing it. And then he describes... Uh, God is this shield that, what does a shield do? He just gives. The Lord gives grace and glory and no good thing. Does he withhold? When, when you finally get to see God, he doesn't do anything but secure you. 
because he just gives you everything you possibly could, could need. No good thing is withheld. He's a giver. He's a generous God who delights in taking you and giving you everything whatsoever you need for those who walk uprightly. And that's where I got the whole idea about being in Christ. We receive Christ and we're made one of those who are upright and experience the righteousness of God. Uh, what a wonderful security. We come in, we see God, God sees us, He takes us, He starts giving to us. He gives us His Word, He gives us His power, He gives us His Spirit, He gives us His Son, He gives us forgiveness, He gives us blessing. No good thing does He withhold. And we say, wow, wow, I'm okay, I got all I possibly need. And then the psalmist ends with just this statement. The Lord of hosts, verse 12, how blessed is the man. How blessed is the man to have this experience, to trust you, to fear you, to, to come into your courts. It's just what more can be said. How blessed are those who properly fear the Lord. Zeal for your house is a huge blessing. It satisfies us, strengthens us, it secures us. And it's all a free gift. God is graciously giving. Um, perhaps one last illustration to kind of wrap it up. You've all experienced a little child that once they get to where they're talking, and they're talking a little bit, you know, they say the, the obvious first words, me, me, papa, you know, that kind of stuff. Mom, dad. After they get the first four or five words down, what's the next one? What's the first phrase? A lot of times... Because all the way through life until this point, especially once they start crawling, everybody who knows them and loves them comes in and says, can I hold you? And oftentimes, the first words, or first phrase of a little child is when they see you, they hold their hands out, hold you, hold you. And why do they want that? What does that do for them? It satisfies them, strengthens them secures them and it it reminds me of the, the experience i have in the house of god i want to come through these doors and say hold you which means i want you god to hold me because as i come to your presence and i'm held by you i'm most satisfied i have this awesome sense of being strong and invincible I have this security that I will never lack a good thing whatsoever because I am held by you. And getting that experience week after week after week, when you get it, you long for it. And it's so, such, a, such an awesome thing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us how how good it is to be one who receives Christ and trust in the Lord. Father, let us pray first for those who don't know you. How sad life is without a sense of place where they meet with you, without the sense of satisfaction, without strength when they are weeping, without security. When the world is crashing in. Father, we ask that you would uh, 
draw all of our little ones to this place. Draw our entire families to this place that they would, they would see how wonderful it is to be in the house of the Lord and connect with the Lord of the house. Father, may we be known as those who zeal for the house of the Lord consumes us. How we long for your courts to be in your presence. Forgive us when we've allowed idols to come in and rule our hearts and our desires and our affections. May we determine never to miss the courts of the Lord. Um, nothing, nothing strengthens and secures and satisfies as your presence. Father, we ask that you would constantly build us up to be used of you to, to strengthen and encourage those who weak, week after week, that those of us who are strong at that time be a blessing to those who are weak. And may we always be going from strength to strength. We thank you. We love you. Thank you for so much pouring out of your goodness upon us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.